1: Welcome, 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 my friend, to another episode of the Chasing Poker Greatness podcast. As always, this is your host, the founder of ChasingPokerGreatness.com, Coach Brad Wilson. Today's Tuesday, which means it's a tactical day. A lot of strategy conversations that are about to go down. Welcome my co-host, John. How you doing, sir? Doing pretty good. How are you? I'm doing quite well. Doing quite well. Hitting the new year in full stride. Ready to get after it uh do we have a theme for today's episode yeah
2: um so the theme is based on actually the topic that we've been going over the last couple weeks um in the wolves cfp program uh we've been working on format pots um both as the preflop caller and preflop razor so uh sticking with that that uh that theme that
1: we've been covering in wolves we're going to go over a couple format pots nice i also had a an idea for future theme in case the cpg listener wants to chime in in the slack channel and say good idea bad idea i thought about what if we reviewed hands that we previously reviewed from you know a year and a half ago and just looked at them through the lens in which we look at poker now and kind of see the differences in how we think about spots compared compared to a few years ago i think it might be yeah, might that's be, a good idea. Might be cool. Yeah. yeah,
2: we probably have to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good idea.
1: Yeah. All right. So that'll give us loads, loads of content down the road. We we have so many themes that you can look forward to, CPG listener. Unless, of course, you think that's a terrible idea. If you do, <laughs> then you got to go to Greatness Village and let us know. Speak your piece. Else, <laughs> you know, that that's your opportunity to vote. If you don't vote, well, you're just going to get it. So, all right. 2023, Tactical Tuesday. Let's go. Four bet pots. Hand number one. Break down the, the cut action, off. John.
2: We're in the cutoff. Uh Ace of Clubs, King of Hearts, Ace King offsuit. Make it 25. Button three bets to 80. As promised. This is a four-bet pot. So I four bet to two thirty-five. Button calls.
1: Pretty. About as about as vanilla as it gets with ace king yeah. off. Uh, opening from the cutoff facing a three bet, just pure four bet. Obviously, quite a good hand. Mm-hmm. You get quite a bad flop, I think. Six, seven, nine with the hey, six, nine of clubs. So you, there's hope there. There's always hope, you know. You have the ace of clubs, king of hearts. So I guess we'll start here. There's 45 in the pot. So SPR is like 1.7 ish. Um, yeah, I, I guess we'll start here.
2: Um, I think this board is uh, maybe on first glance it looks a little scarier than than it actually is. I think like some of the ultra strong hands, like the ten eights and eight fives, just not in not in the button button three bet range. Probably if it for some reason was in the three bet range, I doubt would it would be in the four bet call range. Um, so I think like the really strong hands that the button has on this board are going to be like just the sets like nine sevens I don't know what he does with sixes so maybe he has two combos of sets maybe three um still just planning on kind of pushing what I perceive to be like a an overpair advantage on this board and like a just general range advantage um and starting out with a range c-bet on the flop that's just going to be my go-to in four-bet pots um
1: for for whatever it's worth I don't know if you actually have like a range advantage here or an equity advantage the button should be calling most of their pseudo connectors i don't think we're forbetting betting all of our pseudo connectors and the yeah. button's jamming ace king so like they don't have ace king in range and we do which is just like more combos of high cards yeah they have some really good hands you're right they have some like seven eight and eight nine that are like you know really really high equity seven hands. eight eight nine nine ten even yeah. five six like they, they just have like they have a decent amount of equity in their range just by having the suited connectors. Yeah. So I don't think a, it, like necessarily that we're like pushing a giant equity advantage here by betting. Yeah,
2: yeah. That's that's I just completely forgot about that that portion of the range, which is which is really really high equity. So I'm gonna retract what I said about range advantage, but I'm still gonna start out.
1: <laughs> with
2: a CVET on the flop of course you
1: are. We we can't redo it now. So you, you started out with a CVET and I don't know how else to start four bet pots. So. Well, the other option would be to check, I think. If if you have two options, one is to bet and one would be to check. I think open folding is a bit much. Um, we can probably discount that pretty heavily.
2: Open fold and check seem pretty close in the EV
1: team. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I think the equity distribution could just be such that you're supposed to check range here instead yeah, of bet, maybe that's, bet range. Yeah,
2: given like how many strong like suited connector hands just smash Smash this board. And I, I'm, I'm really rethinking my flop strategy now. Yeah. Anyways. But
1: we're here. We can't undo it. So you bet a quarter. Villain calls. So flop is six, seven, nine. What does the turn do? It just like totally bails you out. We have a ace of diamonds on the turn, which no. is incredibly good for us. Um and now the SPR is under one. So we have a have a decision as to how to proceed here?
2: I, I guess the flop really was the first decision, but in my mind, I, you know, like I said, I, I was just range betting the flop and didn't put a ton of thought into it. So yeah, this was going to be like my first real question about this hand. Um, I think we have an option to keep betting here, or we could check. I think there are lots of hands in our range that have now been kind of demoted to bluff catchers, namely like the jacks through kings portion of our range. Um so there are hands that like naturally just kinda want to check call. I, I don't know like what a lot of our asex does. I, I'm assuming a hand like ace five suited that four bets pre probably just checks this turn quite frequently. On the flip side though, if I was bluffing, like if I had like King Jack or King Ten suited or something like that, I would be so happy about this turn that
1: I'd probably last. Yeah, I mean I and I think you're like sizing options are fairly limited. Like even though the SPR is under one, I think small bet is really yeah. your only option. Is a blast, to size it.
2: small bet. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> that is your blast, is yeah. a, another small bet on the turn. Um, it's quite an interesting situation where some portions of your range get demoted and then other portions of your range get promoted quite drastically. And then how to manage both of those um, yeah, it's interesting. I think, like, yeah, betting small is probably the path that I would take. Just you, you can clearly get called by much worse. Um, kind of hard for worse to start betting the turn, I think. Like, those five sixes, seven eights, nine tens are just going to almost always check back on the turn ace. There's really no reason for them to bet. So, like, probably the only hands that they bet versus check would be like their flop. Uh, low equity calls. Um, and I don't know that necessarily there's enough of those to, to really go for betting. Plus when they have those low equity calls on the flop, they're almost all of them are blocking the hands that they're trying to fold out, which is another conundrum here for the in-position player.
2: What are um, some of those low equity calls that you're imagining right now?
1: Like King queen suited, King jack suited, um, jack 10 suited. Like they all block the portion that they're targeting to fold. Queen Jack suited, like you you know. You mentioned like your King Jack and King Ten would be the King Highs, right? That you're like happy to keep going to war with. Well, all the cards that block you from having those hands, which would be their lower equity calls on the flop, just don't make good barrel candidates. So, so I think like yeah, you just almost have to bet the turn here.
2: Okay, I didn't.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Well, I I don't know. Uh, That's uh. Uh, classic, classic John. So you don't bet the turn on the ACE and I guess, give me the rationale for not betting the turn.
2: I thought SPR one. I mean, we can still get stacks and comfortably on the river again. I think a lot of it just goes back to my like poor ranging of villain on the flop. Right. I think that if I had seen all the five, sixes, six, eight, eights, eight eight, nines, um, I I would have seen the small bet on the turn, like much Mm -hmm. more clearly. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think, like, a really important thing that you mentioned, though, is that, like, I really don't, even if I, even if I saw those six, eights and eight, nines and whatever, like, if I checked here with Ace King, I would be really surprised to see the button bet ever, right? And if that's, like, something, you know, if that's what I'm expecting, then, yeah, I should probably be putting in some money with Ace King myself. But, you know, in my defense, it's, again, it's SPR1. It's not like, you know, it's not like we have some major issue on the river
1: getting stacks in if if I check a street. There's, like, some really interesting hypotheticals here because, like, with that analysis on the turn, right, with, like, a hand such as Queen's on this turn, would it just become a check fold? Seems, like, almost certainly, right? What about a hand like Ace-King? Hand like Ace-King, that's, that's a really good question. Like, would it almost certainly become a, like, maybe not a check fold on the turn to, like, the quarter, but facing the river jam, like, or maybe you should just jam versus ah, no you shouldn't jam versus the quarter because the quarter is <laughs> going to be polarized yeah I, I, i'm not sure like it's when when ranges are so narrow like it it just creates these kind of interesting conundrums with these type of hands like maybe you just shouldn't check queens maybe you should just bet a quarter with queens and then play rivers appropriately because you block you know you, you block ace queen which is probably their primary value hand yeah. um that hits the turn and then you can get value from worse and yeah checking is very tricky it's it's all very tricky I think so anyway you go ahead and check and they check Expect behind the which, which is good <laughs> much better to face the check behind than to face sure, a bet sure, sure. um and the river is a seven so six seven nine. Ace, seven. Um, no flush completed. I guess we'll go back to your <laughs> decision here. The podcast listener did not see the action that you chose. So now you have SPR under one again and board pairing river to bet or not to bet. You know, that's the question.
2: Yeah. So uh, I'm, 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 I want to hear what you, you already saw what I did. So I
1: did. Yeah. I hear what you said by accident. Um. It's quite a situation that you've put yourself in, I think, because I am I'm not sure. I I, I am not sure whether you should like better check. I, I think by when when you check the river, you're kind of banking on villain turning pairs into bluffs to target like the tens through kings portion of your range and banking that you don't check an ace twice. Um Maybe they could value bet worse. They could jam worse facing double check. So maybe you get. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Can I, can
2: I tell you what I think? Yeah. I think that there's a really, really big portion of villain's range that wants to jam the river and it's not just pairs i think it sort of goes back to what we talked about on the turn that we don't expect villain to turn hands into bluffs on the turn because like they just block the range that they're targeting right like the king queens the queen jacks that Mm -hmm. all float the quarter on the flop um or not float but all call the quarter on the flop that don't stab the turn and so like i think there is this like huge chunk of the range that's like just nothing on on this river and like yeah it sucks that when we check here I don't, I mean, the thing is like, I don't even know if it sucks. Like, let's say he has a bluff catcher. Let's say he has like tens or jacks or like nine X or something on the river. Does that call the jam? Like the river jam? I don't know. I'm not exactly sure. Doubt it. I'm also like fairly certain that like he would value cut himself sometimes. The problem is all
1: those hands block your, your low equity hands, like jacks for instance, or tens.
2: Sure. 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 Like, I don't think those, I'm not sure if those hands are going to call, which I think makes me just want to check like slightly more. I, I think it like, you know,
1: it. For, for the Tactical Tuesday listener, by the way, I, w- I want to clarify on what John, John's like backtracking on the use of the word float. Like, they're just, they're, there's like the common usage of the word float and then uh, like an internal way that we use it. And those are quite different. So, you know, when John said, um, no, they, they didn't float the flop. Like, it, it basically, they did float the flop based on the com- most common definition of float, just not in our definition of it, if, if yeah. that makes sense wanted to clarify that because i I, i'm like actively trying to not say float on the flop myself even though (laughs) you know that would be like the most common way to phrase it um but anyway so so basically like all those hands that uh you're just opening the door for like all the like suited broadways to rip the river basically and say
2: and also just like one last thing. I think a lot of the hands that call or like are happy about calling just jam the river themselves. Like just how yeah, put themselves the way yeah, they Yeah, that, that was yeah,
1: sort yeah. of what I was getting to with like the ace, queen, ace, jack, ace, tens. Even ace, five probably value jams the river. Yeah. Um, because like it's just too juicy of a spot to right. check right. back top pair. Looks right.
2: like I have kings, queens, jacks. Exactly.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. If they put the money in with their ace, x on their own and then they put the money in with their, you know, the bluff region, on their own, then, and they don't call with their bluff catching region at a high frequency, then I think checking just is got to be the preferred path.
2: Yeah. That's that's where my mind was at and on the river.
1: Yeah. So you check, fill in jams,
0: <laughs>
1: and they have the jack tennis spades. So well done. Ha. <laughs> ha. <got him. laughs> and if you would have bet the turn, I wonder what they do. I guess they just have to fold the turn. Yeah, I think you just, just have to fold. Yeah, yeah, they just have to fold. All right, good hand number one. We've we've been getting a little verbose, I've noticed in our tactical Tuesdays lately. Are these any longer? Fifteen minute segment. Man, look at us go! All right, stick around for the break. Can't promise another fifteen minute hand. Six or seven, I think that's that should be just be good enough to please everyone. Six what or we'll seven. Shoot for? Yeah.
0: The decision to enter a hand is fundamental to poker strategy. Too tight, and they know what you have. Too loose, and you're easy to run over. Pre-flop Bootcamp from Chasing Poker Greatness is a comprehensive guide to locking down your preflop game and creating true range advantage. Eight days of guided training. Over sixty optimal ranges and access to a dedicated community of players that will push your preflop game from a place of weakness to your greatest strength. Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com/bootcamp. Available now.
3: John, I wanted to ask you why you decided to invest in a preflop boot camp.
4: Everything that you had done with me to that point, or I had heard you do, had impressed me. I loved the podcast. I accidentally ended up in the Poker Power Hour and loved that. And then I took coaching and then you recommended the boot camp. And at first I didn't think it was, you know, something that would be that valuable, but I was like, everything else has been amazing. So I signed up and then it just blew me away.
3: And what about bootcamp blew you away? Like
4: it started off slow, like I'm learning these ranges and I'm not even understanding what you're talking about. And then all of a sudden, as I start to understand what we're doing with the three bets, the four bets, all of a sudden it just kind of hit me. And I was like, oh my God, how do I not know this stuff? This is amazing. The more I studied them, I started to understand why they were constructed sometimes. Like I'd be like, that's why that's like that, and that would lead to more revelations and just a better understanding of poker in general.
3: Do you have any interesting takeaways from your boot camp experience?
4: The most interesting thing about the boot camp—it's a pre-flop boot camp—but I feel like it's done as much for my post-game as it did for my pre-game. Just because I'm not in as many awkward and bad situations as I found myself in. You know, when we were doing coaching before the boot camp, we couldn't get through 10, 15 minutes of tape without finding mistake after mistake. And then once we did the boot camp, it solved problems on the back end as well.
3: I know you've studied for a thousand hours this year. How do you think boot camp compares to your other poker study?
4: Oh, it's crazy the boot camp is probably the most important thing i've done all year out of everything i would give anything to go back and to to know that stuff 10 years ago i can't imagine how successful i'd be right now if i had known that stuff and i thought the boot camp was so valuable that i literally insisted you take more money from me and paid you more for the boot camp because i was blown away i just thought the price was too cheap and it's changed my game in ways that I, I can't even explain to you.
3: If you'd like to join the next round of Preflop Bootcamp, which starts on the last Saturday of every month, head to ChasingPokerGreatness.com slash bootcamp to lock up your spot. One more time, that's ChasingPokerGreatness.com slash bootcamp.
1: All right, welcome back from the break. We have hand number two in this four bet themed episode of Tactical Tuesday. John, dive right into the action.
2: Got another pretty good hand in the cutoff. King of clubs, king of diamonds, make it 25. The button, three bets, 75. We're going to four bet again to 225.
1: Button calls. You know, poker is easy when you just play all the best hands.
2: Yeah, just I maybe <laughs> maybe what we should teach is just get dealt really good hands. Mm. The cutoff when you're gonna get three bet by the button.
1: Yeah, that's that's in the onboarding uh, yeah. webinar of Wolves is make sure that you just get dealt really good hands very very often and then print money. That that's yeah. basically the path to playing winning poker.
2: We teach that in like week two, I think.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we have multiple levels of the class. There's a 101 on one you know, just. Choose currently getting his master's degree in in this skill set. Um, so you four bet. Villain calls. You four bet two twenty-five. So there's four sixty-five in the pot. You've got seven seventy-five um, behind. Five deuce, five. Rain. Dewey Rainbow. And so again. A pot, so you know me. So, you bet a quarter. Just a shock, shocker of all shockers um, that you bet a quarter here. I think just it, it is the thing to do. So there's really nothing to talk about there. Mm-hmm. Turn is a ten. Sprs a little bit more than one here. So I guess we'll talk <laughs> again where the decision kind of hinges on the turn.
2: Yeah. Uh, don't know what the best line of action here is. I mean. Our hand is still really good, still good enough to value bet, certainly. There's no shortage of Jack-X, which I'm sure the button is very unlikely to fold. I think he probably has everything down to Jack-10 suited, which is now top two, but certainly has Queen-Jack, King-Jack, Ace-Jack. Um, yeah, I mean, seems pretty close between betting again here or maybe checking,
1: allowing some of their bluffs to bet the turn. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, essentially like you' you're probably gonna either put everything into one bucket or the other and if you're not um, you know randomizing in some fashion right? like you're just gonna put all your hands in the check bucket or you're gonna put all your hands in like the bet quarter bucket. Uh, I think that the bet quarter bucket makes sense here. Um, but I said that last time, so maybe you'll just right. stick it all in the check bucket again.
2: <laughs> I can't do anything right on the turn apparently.
1: No, you I'm just betting more than you and you're you're checking more than me um so yeah you go ahead and check the turn assume that you're checking range right like
2: yeah I also think that like the 10 is a little it's a little bit meaningful in the sense that it it I think it does reduce the value the the bluff cash combos that can call a quarter on the turn like part of the range that I'm targeting is hands like pocket 10 or our hands like pocket tens pocket nines like those are sort of hands that I hope are in there this demotes nines as well as improves tens so i don't know if that's like a a little bit of a concern for you but it it was like kind of in the back of my mind
1: yeah i guess i guess the problem would be like how do you get action from nines anyway like what's the real path to like
2: yeah.
1: trapping a bet sure sure that's, i don't i don't know like if they're like nines call a
2: jam on the river no <laughs>
1: No, but they may call a small bet on the turn. Right, right, right. When you have yeah, like yeah. ace-king, ace-queen, king-queen, yeah. like in range. So like, I mean, you're essentially playing for one bet against that specific hand. And so like, the question is like, are they more likely to call it on the turn or the river? I'm not exactly sure which one is true. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think like their jack-x is probably just going to call three bets no matter what you do. So I guess like the merits of, I, I, like the merits of checking here, You tell them to me. Uh, The merits
2: of checking here is we, well, the first one I can think of is we allow the button to put money in with really low low equity hands or bluffs. One of the things I was thinking about is like we block like one of the most natural low equity bluffs on the turn, which would be like king-queen. So maybe that's like another strike on on the... Doesn't help. Like reasons not to check, yeah. Um, So yeah, And, and like are there even like that many low equity hands to begin with, that like stab the chart. Like, there's ace queen, there's king queen, there's seven eight. Yeah, I mean, I, maybe there are enough. Maybe there's just enough, like six seven of spades, you know, like eight nine of hearts, like those types of hands um, in his in his in his uh, in his stabbing range on the turn. I mean, like we just we have to remember that this is button versus cutoff. You know, like we said in the previous hand, they are going to have all those suited connectors. I think all the ones with backdoor flush draws. Definitely all the ones with backdoor flush draws and backdoor straight draws are going to call a quarter
1: on the flop. So I don't know. I'm starting to like check a little bit more now. Yeah, it's probably like the second loosest out-of-position 4-bet formation besides small blind versus big blind. Mm -hmm. So just quite a loose scenario here where both of you still maintain a fair number of combos, like relatively speaking to 4-bet pots and other positions. Okay, so like basically trying to trap bets from their like six sevens and almost Mm. no equity type hands right right um i I would be a little concerned that like ace queen like their higher (laughs) their highest low equity hands don't always bet yeah because they want to fully realize Mm -hmm. you know that that would be like a little a little hitch that like the hands that they do want to bet would be like I Like they are six, seven of spades, like those type of hands that are just like, whatever, you know, I've got. Jam Z- come on
2: me. What's the worst that can happen?
1: Yeah. Like it's not, it's not a big deal. Um, So villain goes ahead and bets a quarter for you after you check. Yeah. I think we have another decision here. Yeah. Probably a pretty big one. Jam or let them hang themselves. Yeah. I think there's a lack of rope being sold in this town for their self hangings. So jam. Probably. I think like you do have natural low equity hands that can check jam the turn. I don't think it's like crazy.
2: I mean, I'm like, you know, presumably I'm checking range on the turn. Right. So sure. I have King queen, I have ace queen, ace king.
1: I think, I mean, it's really, it's really, really tricky. Like, Ace-jack, does Ace-jack call the jam, right? Like, uh, So, like, you know, Ace-jack is probably the best hand they have that you beat, right? Because they probably don't have queens, they just jam those pre. So, like, Ace-jack's the best hand they can have that has you beat. Does Ace-jack on a deuce river jam for value? I don't think so. You know, it's just too hard to get called by worse. Yeah, Maybe they do, but I don't know that they do it at a high frequency.
2: so do you think that they call the check jam here on the turn more frequently than they jam the deuce
1: river i think so yeah because you have like ace queen ace king and king queen in your range so like they can you know they can just like shrug bet call the turn with ace jack
2: yep Mm.
1: but you know again if they have like some ace queen that they just decide to bet the turn and jam the river then that's obviously good for us too or the six, seven of spades. Six, seven of spades is obviously great for us. Yeah, That's, yeah, yeah. yeah, That doesn't fall under the good category. That falls oh, under the, the really, really good category. All right, all right, all right. Um, So you go ahead and check call. <laughs> trying to keep
2: <laughs> sticking <laughs> with the theme. Maybe the theme is like, I asked Brad what he would do, and then i do the opposite. Um. Yeah, I mean, just trying to keep all those
1: really low equity hands sure.
2: in, the ace queens in, the six, seven of spades in. Um, yeah, it makes sense. Yep.
1: And it's not that like that's not a viable path right it's not not that like I think that the listener really needs to know that like we're trying to find the best one, and it's not that like one is not viable or the other is not viable. It's just like we're trying to find the best path possible here um and I think like check calling and check calling is is definitely a, a quite a good path like the the um just making the argument for another path, essentially. Uh, River's and eight, so Bricks, all their ace queens, Bricks, their king queens, Bricks, their six, seven of spades, which, by the way, they're pretty much all Bricks for six, seven of spades. Mm -hmm. Um, 973 in the pot, Villain's got 515 left, they check, or you check, Villain jams, and you just call. Mm -hmm. And I'm guessing it's going to end well for you. No, he Rivered a set. <laughs> wow, you you trick the podcast listener; they can't see.
0: Um, <laughs> Sorry.
1: No villain has ace queen. They they don't have a set. You max out value against ace queen off, which yeah, I mean, like if you're maxing value versus ace queen off, which is sixteen combos here, like maybe that's just good enough to make the case for check calling because. Yeah, they're just going to have so many different combos of ace queen here
2: yeah i mean they're gonna have every ace queen yeah
1: yeah and that's gonna like those 16 combos make up a significant portion of their full range at right. this point because of the fact that there's a four bet pot and ranges have you know gotten reduced mm-hmm. sort of at every, every single node yeah. so like yeah maybe chuck check calling twice targeting even only ace queen like maybe that that just outperforms yeah, a small so. betting yeah. yeah, you don't
2: even need to throw in all the all the six seven students.
1: Yeah, that's just like kind of icing on the cake, right? right? Right. Yeah. Nice. So, I I promised you know six or seven minutes. We got we got a good ten minutes here in the second hand. So we still overperformed um, and underpromised. So good for us. I think that's going to do it for today's episode of Tactical Tuesday. Let us know your thoughts on my idea proposal in today's yeah, or, show. Or even
2: if there's like a, a specific hand that you'd like to see re- mm. re-reviewed.
1: Yeah, re-reviewed. a specific episode, a specific hand um, that you'd like to have us re-analyze. That would be interesting as well. Let us know in Greatness Village. You can also tweet at me at CBG Podcast on the tweeter. And uh, that's all I have for today's episode.
2: See you next week.
0: See you next week. Thanks for listening to Chasing Poker Greatness. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast app. Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com to get the newsletter. Join the Greatness Village community, book a coaching session, or dive into the latest data-driven poker courses. Follow the show on Twitter at CPG Podcast.